The golden hour, the central method of optimal work, is like an exercise routine for work. We'll discuss how to use this method to challenge yourself in each hour of work according to your highest ideals. I'm Sharif Yunus with Dr. Kevin Majors, and this is The Golden Hour. We have a great session planned because we're going to talk about the key ideas of optimal work and the key method that we propose to help you grow in your capacity to work. Uh, so why don't we just jump? The, gold, the golden hour, uh, right? I, I was, didn't want to reveal the it too soon. Hour, I was going to exactly. surprise people. But, uh, so yeah, the golden hour. So when you first log into Optimal Work, you will see the golden hour prominently featured. And so you might have the question, well, what is a golden hour and where did it come from? Why, you know, why should I do it? So we're going to answer all these questions and what's the best way to do it and all these, all these sorts of things, how to adapt it to your specific circumstances. But let's just start off with an easy question. I mean, Kevin, you invented the golden hour and the concept. Where did it come from? Why, why, what's the history behind it? Well, I, I wouldn't say I invented it. The idea of trying to do a very good hour of work it goes, goes way back. Mm -hmm. um, I actually, I read, I remember I read um, the politics of Aristotle when I was in college and in the politics, he cites this ancient Greek proverb is ancient in his time that said, well begun is half done. And so the idea was how you start a work is already half of the effort that you put into it. And so doing that really well, trying to shape it and also a small error in the beginning is a large error in the end. So and Aquinas commenting on that in the, on the, in the metaphysics says that it's, it belongs to the wise to order all things. So to put order in all things. So if you really wanted to have the most beautiful hour of work and that work itself can be something beautiful, it can be something that's refreshing because it's just well-crafted. So the, you know, it's, it's like hero loving sushi, you know, that he loves his work. He crafts it so well. And so he finds it really rewarding to do it. And so there's, and I guess I, you know, I learned over time and then working with people and trying to help them grow that, man, everything comes down to an hour of work. If you can really shape well, how you approach just like the next task and then turn it in your mind into something that you're looking forward to doing, you know, you put it, there's a sense of order and then you can apply yourself intensely to it and carry it out. Uh, it transforms the experience of working into something that's actually energizing and refreshing mm -hmm. rather than just getting things done, which to me has always seemed just like an empty motive. You know, it's just, I just want to get this done, get that done, get that done. And you think, well, what's the point? Yep. And I think what well, the, one of the things that jumped uh, out at me when you first introduced the idea to me, um, well, first of all, I, I really res the idea of planning well resonated with me. I think I had at that time heard a famous Abraham Lincoln quote where he says, if you give me an hour to chop down a tree, I'll spend the first 55 minutes sharpening the ax. Uh, so I remember I like you that. saying that. I like that. <laughs> yes. uh, and so I think, yeah, the, the, I think of the painters, too, that I know uh, that will spend half the time taping and protecting 
uh, and then they can mm -hmm. very nicely go through and do a perfect job. There's no drops anywhere. So it's mm -hmm. the idea that you set things up really well. And mm -hmm. then the execution is not just easier, but it's more enjoyable. And you have a greater mastery in how you do it. It just, because we, we do so many things without really thinking in advance about how we want to craft it. So you just do things the same way over and over and over. Well, each thing that you repeat can be made better. And you can get better and better at doing this until you really master it. So this idea also, I think, early on, I was aiming for what does real mastery in work look like? So and how do you really attain that? And you attain mastery by practice. And so it's practice that makes you into a master. But you have to treat every time you're working as a time where you're really practicing in a way for the next one. And you're learning how to do it now, and you're going to try out a strategy. And then you're going to get better and better at doing it until you're really an expert. You have real expertise in doing this kind of work very well. Yeah. Yeah. And another uh, connection was I used to lift weights a lot. Mm -hmm. And so you, when you're going into the gym to train, you know exactly what you're going to do. You know what your exercise you're going to do first. First, I'm going to do bench press, and then I'm going to do triceps or whatever it is. And you know exactly... I want my max set to be five reps and I want to aim for this much weight. So it's all planned out. And then when you, before you start the workout, you also do a little warm up to, so it's, mm -hmm. so there's so much of just, yeah, setting yourself up, preparing yourself to do well. But then uh, in contrast, when I was working, it would just be, I need to dive in and get this stuff done. So, and then you, and then you realize after an hour that you actually didn't do anything. You were completely distracted the whole time. So there's a clear kind of disconnect there. Um, but then I wanted to follow up on this idea that, so you brought, you kind of brought up the idea of, of each hour of work being an hour of practice. I think you'd also say deliberate, like you'd use exactly. that phrase deliberate practice. Mm -hmm. um, but then also that connects with the idea of your work being meaningful, that when you do the work, it becomes beautiful and that gives you meaning. Is that, so how, could you kind of draw a little bit more the idea of like finding meaning in your work and how that connects to doing an hour of work really well? Well, I think one, one of the sources of meaning in work is what is the lasting good that will come out of this? You know, and that good is the end that you're aiming for. And getting the work done is just the means to that end. Mm -hmm. So you really want to ask yourself, what's the greatest good that can come out of this, this period of work? And so part of that is going to be uh, remaining within you. And that's the actual growth that you have. But that's actually not the full extent of it because even that growth is not an end in itself. Ultimately that growth is so that you can better love and serve others in your life. So that it makes sense that you want to become a more patient person, a more ordered person, uh, you know, a, a person who's capable of uh, working very intensely because those things actually make you a better person for everyone that you love. So ultimately love gives you the meaning. And so there has to be a sense in which what I'm doing right now, it's either directly serving people, in which case the meaning is pretty obvious. So I, I think that I'm very fortunate being a physician that uh, so much of what we do is just pure service. And so the sense of meaning in work um, is, is, in that sense is not missing. What most doctors lack though is a sense of how they can be growing into the work. So, and how that itself is meaningful, makes them into a better, you know, uh, 
spouse or parent or whatnot. So that's a different question for a different time, how to deal with doctors and burnout. Uh, but the, the, the key thing here is that uh, when you're practicing, you're not just practicing getting it done, you're also learning to practice why you're doing it. So, and, and it takes practice to learn how to do it more for love than for fear. Because I think getting things done means that you're afraid of not getting them done or you're afraid of it taking too much time. There's all these motives of fear that can creep into work. But what we want to do is to, is to be able to refocus our intention, our why. Why am I doing this? So that it's somehow about growth and service. Mm -hmm. So, And that takes practice. But it's the, since we work all day long, you know, at least, you know, what, eight hours a day, nine hours a day, um, of actual just like professional work for most people, you get practice all day long. And so you get practice thinking about why you're doing it and then learning how to reframe the intention so that it's for higher and higher motives that actually provide more energy to you. Mm -hmm. How, what, so you uh, taught this idea to me in the context of a mentoring program that you have uh, in mm -hmm. Cambridge and you teach to students and young professionals, but then you also have a private practice. So uh, I can see very clearly that when you're mentoring students and, and how to work better, that the golden hour is going to play a central role in that. Does it also play a role in your private practice? I and mean, is this something that you recommend patients who have anxiety or depression mm -hmm. that, okay, go do a golden hour. Is that going to help them? Well, it does because all of, so I practice cognitive behavioral therapy and that's looking at thoughts and emotions and behaviors. So thoughts that's dealt with by a practice called reframing. So, which is to, to take the challenge that you're facing, that you're dreading and complaining about and makes you reluctant and overwhelmed to take that and instead flip it into something where you can actually be eager to engage it and grow in it. So taking it from being a threat to being an opportunity. An opportunity, it, the precisely the kind of opportunity you most want. And that's, so reframing is a skill that requires practice. And if you practice reframing deliberately, once a week, your life would change. If you practice it once a day, your life changes even more. And if you practice it hour after hour, you become extremely good at it. So, and I think that in my clinical work with people, one of the main benefits I bring to them is the ability to reframe and, and to help them to see how they can engage a challenge and grow and they get excited about that. This thing that they've been avoiding and fleeing is actually precisely the growth that they need. Well, that skill of reframing is practiced um, in work in a way where it's actually easier sometimes to get started because it's not about necessarily reframing the thing that they're coming to see me in my practice to get help with you know maybe they have a terrible fear of flying well that might not be exactly what they're reframing when they sit down to work but the very skill they develop in being able to reframe then transfers to the areas that bother them and so it's the perfect practice for them mm -hmm. And the same, like, you know, the emotional component is what is dealt with in cognitive behavioral therapy with mindfulness. Mindfulness has a wonderful ability to get your mind ready for intense work because it is kind of work, but it's work with no steps. 
So you're just holding on to one step, which is attending to the present moment, while all the background parts of your attention, here's called the default mode or predictive attention, is grasping for things until finally it calms down. And now it's ready to get on board with the task you're about to do. Well, that too is something that, you know, you can practice mindfulness for you know, a half hour in the morning and that's a wonderful practice. But you can also practice it for a minute before you start working and then it gets inserted throughout your day. You just learn to bring yourself entirely to the present moment your predictive attention goes into a state of readiness, where now it's ready for the next task to help pull you through it. How do you know that your predictive attention will pull you through the task and into flow? Well, you don't, but you can tell that it's at least not on other topics and it's not pulling you in tons of different directions. So, and even working in a busy practice or in a busy clinic, you can still find 30 seconds or a minute to just calm down and, and settle the mind. So, and that's one of the steps of, of the golden hour. After reframing, you do some kind of mindfulness. And then the last step is about the behavior, and that's a challenge. And it's stretching yourself, setting a goal that what you're going to aim for that will carry out the intention you're seeking. It carries out the service. It carries out the growth. You build that intention then into steps that challenge you. So, and that is so key because now your predictive attention also knows where you're trying to go. And it can pull you through those steps. It reads your language. It knows what you want. If you write it out, it makes it more explicit. And what that does over time is you end up training the, all of your kind of attention systems to be better able to pull you through the task with no effort forcing yourself to do it. So we don't want people just like white knuckling and just like forcing themselves to do things. You want them training themselves. So training is how you shape a living system. And so you do that, you know, by the steps of the golden hour, reframing and then mindfulness, and then the steps of the challenge with a stop time. And you've crafted something. It takes just, you know, it takes three minutes to do a golden hour. <laughs> it takes, it's just, it's, it's a very fast thing where you just, yeah. you, it, it doesn't take a long time but it pays off enormously. Yeah, I think one of the, and when you go through those steps, you end up that you're applying your intelligence to your work. Like you're thinking about, okay, what is the best? Because you always apply your intelligence to the particular problem that you're solving. Mm -hmm. Like when I studied math in college, you have a math problem in front of you and you're putting all your intelligence yeah. into the math, figuring out the math behind it and yeah. the proof of the theorem but how much intelligence are you actually applying to like your process of how do you work? So you end exactly, up spending yeah. four years doing problem sets the same exact way. Whereas if you had actually thought through before each time, okay, how can I do this a little bit better than I did it last time? Yeah. You're really applying your intelligence to how you do it. Exactly. And that's so crucial because it's um, exciting for me, you know, being in Cambridge. So I get to mentor mostly Harvard students and MIT students in Boston college. There are great students out there. I leave out any schools, Boston University, Northeastern. You can't list great, all the ones in Boston. can't list them all, they're, but there are great <laughs> students I've been working with. Uh, and some of them, true geniuses. And they have this huge IQ, and yet they have not applied their IQ to how they work. And that's what I've been teaching them how to do now for 10 years here, you know, is teaching them to take that intelligence and to learn to use it to challenge themselves. So you have these people who can, um, who are just brilliant, who can read and remember what they read, 
who have never once thought about how they read. And they've never treated reading as something to practice so that they can get better at doing it. So, but then they start learning how to do golden hours and they realize, well, reading actually has steps. There's a strategy I'm using when I read. And they, if they start working on that strategy, instead of taking them five hours to read something, you can take them in the end two or one. So they develop an incredible ability to improve their reading just because now they're working on it specifically. And the same for writing papers, the same for any kind of professional work in the people that are in my practice and through optimal work. This applies to all work. It's taking your intelligence and instead of looking at just the content of what you're focusing on, focus on the process for a moment. Think about how you're gonna go about doing it and think how could I make a small improvement to my usual way of doing it. And if you just did small tweaks, small improvements, it doesn't take much time and you end up getting much, much greater uh, skills and mastery being able to do it. Right. Can you uh, just briefly summarize, so what is, as quickly, like, not as quickly, but as concise as, what is the golden hour? What do you, what do, you do? So you mentioned golden, before. Exactly. So a golden hour is a time when you practice working on how you work, where the, the focus is on how you're going about doing this. And the steps are, well, after you've set a kind of perimeter around what you're doing, because you have to make a total commitment to just do this insofar as your work allows, to just do this task for the next 45 minutes or 90, you know, whatever it is. It could be 45 minutes, it could be 90 minutes or in between. You're going to set aside, then you're, you're going to put up a perimeter and then think about what is the exact good you're aiming for, reframing it, settling your mind, laying out the task and the steps you're going to do with the stop time you're going to have, and then you're off. So it doesn't take long. Uh, it takes a few minutes to be able to do it well. Uh, and then you continue working through the task. If you notice you're getting pulled by distractions to something else, that's a very good sign that you actually committed. You can only feel the pull of a distraction when you're committed to the task. And that's what we want people to experience. And it, it gets easier and easier for them to get through then their times of work. So that's what we're aiming for. It's like an exercise routine uh, that, uh, you, you know, in exercise, I'm really big into high intensity interval training. And we want the golden hour to be like that. At least one a day when you're in your work day where you take at least some moment to shape how you're going to do that kind of work and to really then be set challenging yourself, stretching yourself in some specific way that lets you grow more or serve more. Awesome. And I guess we have a couple minutes left. So I have a, a question to ask from uh, Rosie. So the question is, Actually, I just quoted Rosie. <laughs> she, yeah, that's who, true. Because she said in one of her feedbacks that we're, and we're putting it up on our uh, homepage yeah. that the golden hour is like an exercise routine yeah. for work. Yeah. Now, it's, so it's a, so great that's great. Cool. What's Rosie's question? Uh, so the question, so, and just to preface a little bit, we had talked a lot about um, the golden hour is aiming for service and mastery and bringing ideals in your work and finding meaning in your work. And so the question is, I often start a golden hour with great awareness of my ideals. But by the end of it, I get so caught up in the results of my work that I end up doing it for its own sake. Usually I don't realize when this happens. Do you have any advice? 
Yeah, it's so it, it shows that she has all the right concerns about why, you know, she really does want to like work at her best and she wants to have very high deals and, and bring them into her work. And I think that's actually, that's 100% of it. So, you know, so the reframing and seeing like what kind of, how can I stretch myself here according to some ideal to be more generous, to be more, or just working more intensely or more ordered, whatever the ideal is you're aiming for. Um, that goes into the intention for why you're doing something. So it's the end. Then the task itself and getting it done is the means. And so it makes sense that once you have the end, it's like the top of the mountain that you're wanting to climb. But you're not going to be staring at the top the entire time. You're going up. You're going to be focusing step by step at being able to, you know, so that so you don't slip. So the um, so once you have the end in mind and you're aiming for it, then all of your attention should be on one step at a time. So that you're giving it your your task attention has this one thing to focus on. And as you focus on finishing it, your predictive attention pulls you according to your strategy and set in advance to the next step. And then you do that until it's done, it pulls you to the next step. And that's how you go into flow. So only if you start getting off track, like you're going up the mountain, and you think, oh, there's this other path. I wonder where that goes. Well, then you might have to think, oh, wait, is this going to take me to the top? Uh, and if not, okay, then I refocus on the top and I get back on, you know, make sure I'm on the right track. So you focus on the end only if at some point you feel like, eh, I'm getting off track because I'm now getting anxious or frustrated or um, I'm in like this dark play period and, you know, where I'm just, I have to be creative and I don't know what the next step is. Well, and so even in that kind of creative work, you get through those moments just by having a clear view of the end that you're after. So I think you only need to go back to it when there are moments where you have to reframe. Otherwise, you've, you're following the course that you set, and that's precisely how you develop constancy, carrying out to completion what you had originally set. And that makes that whole strategy more memorable and more reinforcing for the next time. And that doesn't mean that the ideals have somehow gone away. No, it's it means they're actually they being remain, made concrete. Yeah, yeah. So work is what turns ideals into concrete reality. Work materializes ideals, and that's what they're experiencing there. You know, it's like that you're actually making th this ideal, whatever it was, into something real by step after step putting it into practice. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I think that uh, concludes our discussion of the golden hour for this week who knows we might we, we still have some questions to go through so we might be able to cover a little bit more next week but uh that's all for this Great. week so thanks so much for for tuning in and we'll see you next monday at 10 a.m Well, thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to check out OptumWork.com for a set of online tools to help you engage challenge in your life. See you next week.